conscience. Simple. What's, do you know where your conscience is? What's your conscience? Have you ever felt it? Conscience. I found out that this conscience is so important when it comes to serving God. And in fact, your judgment is going to be based on your, on your conscience. When it's all over. Conscience. Don't start here. Stand up. We're going to recite our word. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. First of all, I want to let you know, just as God is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in one, God is a tripartite God. That's who he is. And you also, you are a tripartite being. Meaning there are three parts to your person. You don't, most people don't recognize that. There are three parts to your person. First of all, you are a spirit being. Just like God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's the way he created you. You are a spirit being. The real person is not the one that I'm looking at physically. It's the one that is your inner man. It's in there, inner woman. That's who you are. And when it comes to your spirit, there is no male or female. God says man. That's human. So there is a part of you inside of you. That's the real you. And that real you, the spirit, also have a soul. So there is a spirit. You have a soul as well. That's who you are. And you live in the body. You live in the body. You need to understand that. It's so important. You live in the body. But what controls you and your actions live inside of you. The emotions. The soulless realm that consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your mind is where the battle is. Please understand that. What goes into your mind and what comes out from your mind is what controls your person. You can be as happy as you being all money and then somebody says something to you that is sad that causes you to Recall something that was poor, bad in your life. Now, all of a sudden, your person is changed. And sometimes, if it's really bad, you're crying just because of words that were spoken to you. And you are able to recall something. So, your mind controls your emotions. 
What comes into your mind will control your emotions. If something good happens, you hear it, it gets in your mind, you get happy. If something bad happens and you hear it, maybe to a family member, before long, you get sad. You, you, and we can see that you're sad. Sometimes you cry. In the, other, in the other case, you laugh. So what comes into your mind is so important. And that's why we'll encourage people to read scriptures. Because it changes your person. So what comes into your mind begins to affect your emotions. And when your emotions have been affected, then your will comes into play. You decide what you want to do, right or wrong. Let me submit to you before I go into this message that your conscience is like the referee in a game. Foul! You got that whistle, right? (laughs) When that whistle goes off, it says you've done something wrong. And in the case of this, your conscience, it allows you, it, it monitors what you're doing. Even if you start thinking, it tells you, that's not a place to go to. Sin is deadly. Please understand. And your conscience will have none of it after your conscience has been renewed. Let me go to this scripture. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. It says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh in the Old Testament. Just the bulls purified the flesh. So you're talking about the flesh in the Old Testament. But look at what happens. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, he offered himself without spot to God, cleanse or purify You want to use the word heart, right? But the word is conscience. So when you are born again, you have a born again conscience. A purified conscience. Understand that. This conscience is sensitive to right or wrong. When you were not saved, sometimes people rejoiced in the wrong thing. They had fun. They drank all night and they were drunk. And they're happy about it. There is no conscience. His eyes are red. But he's caused himself a lot of trouble. Said things he shouldn't have said. But he had fun. He doesn't think anything wrong with that. But for the believer, it's different. Because this referee tells you, you acted badly last night. And that's not a place for you to go. Don't you ever go there again. And that's where the conviction comes. Your conscience. So your conscience has been purified. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it tells us, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will sprinkle you with pure water and you will be clean. 
He says in Ezekiel 36, he says, I will give you a new spirit and a new heart. Okay. Your conscience is the unseen heart. And that's what God's going, what was there in your conscience, your heart, that's what's going to cause to bring you into a place of judgment before God. Your conscience. The conscience is very important. So the, the reason I'm bringing this message, there are things that you can allow and justify and override your conscience and then hurt yourself so badly to the point where you are so far removed from the things of God, you don't hear the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit anymore. When he is come, he will convince or convict the world of sin, right? And so now, your conscience is so defiled, purified, but now defiled, to the point you can't hear him. And that's a dangerous place to be. So sometimes you meet with Christians and they're acting up and doing all kinds of things and you're wondering, how can they tolerate this? And they laugh about it. How many have been around Christians like that? They name the name of Christ. And they laugh about it. It's no big deal for them. To them, you don't quite understand. They've, got, they've crossed that serious line. They didn't take enough oil for their lamp. And now, when the master comes, this believer, who was a virgin, because they didn't have all enough and allowed their lives to, their conscience to be, what word can I use here? Defiled. They allowed their conscience to be defiled. And once your conscience is defiled, you have to maintain that. That doesn't mean you are completely, but whenever completely free from sin, sin is deadly. Sin is really deadly. In fact, the Bible says, let not fornication be once named among you. And today, you see Christians, they are not married, and they live together. And you don't think, if you talk to them, they don't. It's no big deal for them. A dangerous place to be. A dangerous place to be. We don't know when the master is coming. We are so busy with our lives and the house and all of this. The most precious thing you got is that good conscience that God gave to you. And if you neglect it, if you don't feed that conscience and keep the conscience purified, you will lose your soul. I know a lot of Christians believe once saved, always saved. Then please explain to me uh, uh, the term virgins. Why he locks the five out. They were all virgins. It's just some of them were irresponsible in the way they were waiting for the master. The virgins were waiting for the master, right? Unbelievers are not waiting for Jesus. Get it. Unbelievers are not waiting for Jesus. You think that scripture is not going to be fulfilled? You think Jesus was just talking? No. 
I just don't want to be among the foolish five. And I have to make sure in my thoughts and everything that I do, God help me. Because I'm human. I need your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us. He's called the helper. I need to engage the helper and tell the helper how weak I am. Please help me because I want to do what is right. You know what you're doing when you do that? You are providing yourself oil. Waiting for the, the day the master will show up. It purifies your conscience. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, Once purified, you shall have no more consciousness of sin. That has to do with your conscience. It's not, that's not who you are anymore. If you are born again, you are a new creation, Right? Old things, all of those old things are passed away and all things have become new. That doesn't mean you may not sin, but unlike the world, when you sin, you're grieved. And you want to go back to the master and wonder, God, what happened? Why? Why, why am I acting this way? Like David did. That was the Old Testament. David was smart. If you read Psalm 51, David had watched Saul, and he knew that when Saul sinned, God took his Holy Spirit from him. And a demon came into play because there are no vacuum. When the Holy Spirit is gone, guess who's coming in? There are no vacuum. And so David prayed, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I have sinned, but please, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The, the, your conscience is what the, where the Holy Spirit goes to when he wants to make things for you, right. And wants you to do what is right. Your conscience. You read, you, we've all read in uh, John chapter 8, where uh, this, the, the Pharisees had brought a woman that was, what they say, she was caught in the act of adultery. And they said, the very act. And they, they were ready to stone this woman. Some of them, I'm sure, were doing the things they have not been caught. The same thing. They just were not caught yet. But then they started demanding from Jesus, what should we do? The Bible says for us to stone this woman. And then Jesus rose up and said, the one that is without sin among you, cast the first stone, the first one. And beginning from the, older, the oldest guy, he's been sinning for many years, so he remembers him. There are too many to count. He's been sinning. I'm going to read this scripture here, verse 9. It says, Then those, when Jesus told them this, when those who heard it, then those who heard it, being convicted by what? Their conscience. Starting from the old one, they started dropping their rocks. 
Because the rocks will actually be coming to them. And they left. First Samuel 24 verse 5. This was when David cut the edge of her source garment. Who was falling away. But he was anointed. He was God's man for the kingdom at that time. God chose him. And he was still alive. So David had to respect him. He says, now it happened afterward, David had done this, that David's heart troubled him. What's talking about? His conscience, right? You don't do something and your heart begins to move inside of you or you're having a heart attack. No, he was talking about his conscience. His conscience bothered him. That what he, was, what he had done was wrong. He says, because I cut Saul's robe. I mean, see how sensitive this man's conscience. I mean, he didn't kill Saul, right? Just cut him. But David wanted to please his Lord. And that was too much for him. Today, we are not very careful. I'm very careful when I want to talk about ministers. I don't know. Basically, I'm not with them. Nicodemus said, you know, how can you judge a person when you don't know what they're doing and you haven't heard their word? So I let them alone. I didn't call them. He called them. If I'm close to them and I know what they're doing, I'll speak to them one-to-one, but not to go put, I put it out on television. That's my brother. Amen? I'm commanded to love him. Do you know the purpose of the law? What is the purpose of the law? Listen to this. First Timothy 1, 5 through 6. He says, now... The purpose of the commandment. We're talking about the new commandment. We're not talking about you. This is New Testament. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. So you can love from an impure heart because of what you are getting from this love. And as soon as that's taken out, you get mad. That's love that is based on what you can get. Many times we go to God with that kind of love. And we're crying out to him for what we can get. And if he doesn't do it quickly, God, you better do it now. Otherwise, I'm not coming back to church. Well, that's your problem. God is still going to come back to church. Now the purpose of the the commandment is love from a pure heart, from what again? A good conscience. That's the purpose of the law. A good conscience. Love. That pleases God. From a pure heart and a good conscience. And from what? Sincere faith. Sincere faith. No, we're not talking about uh, strong faith, weak faith, 
That's not what we're talking about. It's your belief in Jesus is sincere. Everyone can tell when they're around you. He's not a put up. He's not a show. He's not being super spiritual. You really love God and you know him. His sincere faith in Jesus Christ. A pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith before God. From which some have strayed and have turned aside to idle talk. <laughs> you want to read Facebook, talk from Facebook, and hear what Christians are writing? Listen to what they are saying, and you wonder. Where are they coming from? This has nothing to do with scriptures. And sometimes they don't even allow scriptures. Well, I don't believe that. Well, what is, tear the page off your Bible then. So we know you don't believe it. And you got things people are writing. Idle talk. Things that's not productive. People get so wound up in it. It doesn't bother their conscience. It doesn't bother them. For, for me personally, I've seen some things in the church that were frightening to me. I've shared this with you before here, where I went to preach in a church in, in, uh, in Georgia. And God was doing his thing. They were, I just, that was before the Ark Fellowship. And uh, this pastor... I guess some people are getting healed. I guess people are getting healed. He was excited. I was there, supposed to be there for one day. And he wanted me to stay back. And he told me two former millionaires have come in. Because they were hearing what God was doing. And he was so excited. Sister, sister tell them what God did. Hey, brother, brother, tell them this. And, and he said, he, hey, brother, good luck. Secretly, two former millionaires are back to church. And then he would take offering from me, from those millionaires. All of this money, every single penny, he's going with brother good luck to Africa. Can you believe when these things happen in Africa, people will be saved and the people were giving. And two ladies called me aside and said, we know pastor is not going to give you that money. The members knew. I was like, I was counting my thousands to go to Africa. My bubble was busted. It was just, what? I paid my own way there. He gave me about $300. Take my ticket money off, and I have very little. Except for those two ladies held their checks back, and they gave me their checks in hand. I was happy, but really sad. My thousands I was counting on, it was gone. How am I going to get money to go to do crusades in Africa? But I wasn't bothered by what he had done. That's true. When I got back, I started asking God, please don't ever allow me to get to the place where my conscience is so defiled. Not only that I've been doing it, the members already knew. That's how far he had gone. He lied in the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in church, getting money. If I, I, mean, I wasn't concerned about I was fighting for myself. God, I don't know how he got there. 
And I don't, he's been a pastor longer than I've been a minister. Please help me. I need you to help me. I don't want to be carried away with just getting money. Conscience. His conscience was so defiled. First Peter 3 verse 16. Again, you see, this thing cuts across scriptures. Keeping a clear conscience. So, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. We've been going from one scripture to the other, telling you this is very important for your faith. It's very important. You cannot neglect your conscience. It doesn't mean you will not ever sin, but when you listen to your conscience, it guides you. Because it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking to your conscience and bringing the conviction. And then the Holy Spirit then empowers you to respond appropriately. But when your conscience is already defined, you can't hear the Spirit anymore. You can't. And so you cannot change course. You cannot allow the Holy Spirit to put you in another direction. That will bring joy and peace into your heart. Keeping a clear conscience, conscience. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ. May be ashamed of their slander. Notice conscience, good conscience, clear conscience leads to what? Good behavior. Amen. Good conscience will lead you to good behavior. And look, when it's a good conscience energized by the Holy Spirit, it's consistent. So that people that are watching you, they know, even though they are speaking against you, they know something is different about this individual. Amen. Amen. And it has nothing to do with us. The last message I had here was made righteous. God made you righteous and gave you a, a new spirit, a new heart, a new conscience. So that you can discern right and wrong. And for you to follow right. Did you, did you read in, have you read in Psalm 23? He leads me, what? In the paths of righteousness. For what? His namesake. He leads you. But how is he going to lead you? Through the referee. Guiding you. No, 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 no. That way. Move. This is the, this is the narrow path. Don't go that way. And you feel bad. And then when you correct it, the joy of the Holy Spirit comes back into your heart. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes into you. And you know that's not a place to go. Just to tell you that, I, I, I hadn't done this thing with many times, but Irina will tell you, there is, there is no minister that's come to the Ark Fellowship and they gave an offering and they didn't get everything they gave plus. I added some money. And I think sometimes you go into a church, the place is packed, and the minister is calculating, <laughs> the place is packed. It's going to be a good offering. 
And then when the offering is not as good, he's thinking, Pastor has kept some of the money for me. So I decide, Pastor Michael knows that, we, they count it, double count it, and then I make it, the breakdown, give to this person that's visiting, this is what came in. But this is what you're going to get. He settles it. I'm free. Amen? I don't have to be, and I don't go back to count anything. I don't touch the money. Let those that are there do it. We have to do right before him. I want to go to heaven. <laughs> I didn't get saved to be a pastor. <laughs> I got saved because I want to go to heaven. And there is heaven. And I'm not going to miss it because I became a pastor. Okay? Pastor is just a job. But the real goal, I want to get in there. And when I see the master, no Nothing inside. Say, I hope he doesn't go there. Hello. I hope he doesn't talk about this to me here, okay? I thought I made it. I don't want that. Amen? A good conscience. You know why this is so important? I need to let you know. I, a lot of Christians have this question. Okay, uh, before Jesus came, right? There were people that lived in the world and they died. Will all of them go to hell? How many have asked that question? I asked that question when I was newly saved. He said, how, God, how is God going to judge them? They are not coming back to hear about Jesus. How is God going to judge them? But Paul insisted that God is going to be fair in his judgment. And this is what happens with the Gentiles. What will cause the Gentile and the Jew, or the Gentiles without the law, what will cause them, even though they never heard a sermon about Jesus, and never saw Jesus, and they still make it. Let me read the scriptures, Romans chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature... Do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. <laughs> a law to themselves? Can a man be a law to himself? But that's what the Bible says. A law to themselves. Who showed the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, you see back again? Their conscience also bearing witness. And if you read through the scripture, Paul will say, I, I, this, I say this to you, my conscience bearing witness with what I'm telling you. That's the truth. And the Holy Ghost also bears witness. Paul says that often. And I used to wonder, what does he mean? The testimony of his conscience, what is that? Because your conscience is going to determine What's going to happen to you at the very end? That's your heart. Okay, let's go further with this. And their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Okay? They do wrong, the conscience is, even though you're not saved, that was wrong. And they know. Before I was saved, I knew what was wrong. I just didn't care. I did what was wrong and enjoyed it. 
That's bad to say. But I was not saved. And then he says, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So how is he going to judge? Your conscience. Then, before the law, after the law, their conscience. And for us, it's the same thing. God's going to judge fairly. That's how powerful the conscience is. And you must keep, have that thing in your mind. I'm going to get my conscience clean. When you can tell a lie, <laughs> it starts from a little white lie. I don't know why they call it white lie. But that's what they call it. A lie is a lie. White or black is a lie. We call it white lie to make us feel a little good about it. But God, the Holy Spirit, that's a lie. Your conscience says, you know, you just lied. How many have been there? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) You said it to get out of trouble. But as soon as you get out of trouble, you step out. There is no rejoicing. The Holy Spirit comes on you. You know you just lied. And I did. You can repent. Because he wants to guide you. Amen? Listen to Paul's testimony. For our boasting is this. What is it? The testimony of our conscience. Your conscience has a testimony. Our boasting is this. We are boasting that this is the boasting coming from our conscience. Your heart. For our boasting is this. The testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Coming from the conscience. So when Paul says, we did this and we did that, this is what I said, that's from a good conscience. And he always will say, my conscience bearing witness in the Holy Spirit as well. So that tells you how important your conscience is. Even in preaching the gospel. Your conscience is so important. Even when you're testifying, your conscience is important. So you have to have that good conscience before God. Your new heart. Keep it purified. Keep it purified. People are listening to all that people are saying in the world today. And they are changing their views about the scripture. They are changing their views about the scripture. And sometimes we take events that happen and then we draw a conclusion and say, well, if that happens, then the scripture, how can I believe the scripture? (laughs) The scripture is bigger than that man. Scripture is bigger. Don't you ever judge scriptures based on a man's experience. He's just a man. He's just a man. And you don't even know what God's doing there. If he's dealing with the man, why should he tell you what's going on? It's not your business. If he says anything to it, it's probably to encourage the person. 
but he won't talk to you. So having that good conscience is so important for every believer. You have to maintain it. You have to maintain it. It doesn't mean that we won't fall because the Bible says if the righteous man falls seven times, God can raise him up. It's not your business. But they have to have a good conscience before God. The testimony of his conscience that we con- conducted ourselves in the world first was the first thing simplicity. Simplicity. And a godly sincerity. You know you haven't forgive, forgiven this person, but you are smiling and in your heart you are cursing them out. Hey, what's going on there? You smile. I love you, brother. And then you turn around and say to your friend, please don't go near him. He's a snake. That's not godly sincerity, right? You'd rather just tell the brother, I think you are a snake. (laughs) And stand there and wait for what comes after that. It's like uh, some story I read way back. It was hard to laugh about it. You know, the Bible says, uh, when they slap you in one cheek, you should turn the other one. And this preacher was by the roadside preaching a storm. And this guy, he's been waiting for a Christian that he, he will practice this slapping on. So he went to the preacher. He was sure this was the right preacher. So he went there and gave him a good one. And the preacher turned around. He was happy. He gave him the next one. And the next minute, the preacher punched him to the floor. I mean, it was a hard one. He was on the floor. And he says, I thought the scripture says to turn the other cheek. The pastor pastor said, yes, I turned the other cheek, but he doesn't tell you what comes after that. And what comes after that is what he got. (laughs) But that's not godly sincerity, okay? And it's not simplicity. Sometimes I come across people, they are so complicated about the faith. And it's just a high spiritual thing, you know, you're dealing with. I've come to realize I just don't pay attention to those things. Because... Having spent these years with all kinds of believers, I realized uh, most of the time what I'm seeing is not what is really there. I say this to you. Tell yourself first, I have nothing to prove to anybody. That will protect your conscience. Because I don't have to act I'm not an actor. I don't have to behave in a way to make you pleased with me. I've got to be myself. And if you don't like that, Jesus has commanded you to love me. Just as I am. 
And if you don't like the way I am, still love me and pray for me. Okay? That's so I'm free. I'm free to be myself. Not free to sin, okay? But free to be the person God made me. And don't think I have to do anything to make you think the pastor is very spiritual. What has that got to do with godly sincerity? What has that got to do with simplicity? So these things are very important. Let's keep it simple, okay? Keep it simple, but wash over your heart. You remember the scripture? Before I go to the scripture, I, I, this, this I have to go to. Acts 24, verse uh, 16. Paul says this. This being so, I myself always strive to have what? A conscience without offense towards God. Amen. He's striving, the struggle was to have a good conscience before God and before people. Are we doing that? Is that even in your thinking? But this is so crucial. That was the way Paul lived his Christian life. This is the way God wants us to live, to pay attention to your conscience. And ask God if you you feel like you do things and it doesn't bother you and you know in your mind it's wrong, but it doesn't bother you, you don't even bother to ask God for forgiveness. It's the time to go to God. I need my conscience purified. I need my conscience purified. If I can do this and it does not bother me, Something has gone wrong. In the early days, those things will make you cry. But now, you laugh about it. And well, I'm going to repent when the time comes. You know you never repent. Can a man's conscience become defiled and hardened? Proverbs 4 verse 23, he says, Keep your heart, that's your conscience, We've talked about that, right? A new heart will I give you. It's not like the beating heart. The old heart that pumps blood is still there. That's not what we're talking about. It's the center of your life. The one that God speaks to. Your spirit and your conscience. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. So that's why Paul was striving so hard, right? To keep not his heart, he said, but in the New Testament, he's more conscience. Conscience. Your conscience. David was so sensitive to that part of his being. That's why God says he's a man after my own heart. David was, David's sin was even in human terms, were, were worse, his sins were worse than King Saul. He not only committed adultery, he killed the husband and tricked him. He gave him his death sentence, sealed in an envelope, 
you will have it, and gave it secretly to give to Joab. So this man actually carried his death sentence, not knowing, thinking the, the king was pleased with him, to deliver to Joab, the commander, so that he could be killed. And he was sincere enough not to open it to see what the king had to say. He destroyed his own life. That was David's action. But as soon as David's conscience was awakened, instantly he cried out. He wouldn't eat. And you can read Psalm 51 and go through the agony this man was going through. He says, I didn't sin against this guy. I sinned against you. You and you only I sinned against. Very important. I've known something. You can tell by the way people react whether their heart, their conscience is pure or not. Hello. Over the years, we have people coming to their church. If they start finding all kinds of faults in the church, this person and that person, we don't like this, you know what I know? To the one who is pure, all things are pure. All things. That's not me talking. When you can easily see these things, something is wrong. Your, your conscience is defiled. That's what the Bible tells us. First uh, Titus 1.15. So the pure, all things are pure. How many things are pure? How many things are pure? To the pure, all things are what? Pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure. There are always something is wrong, something is wrong. I had a lady <laughs> sometimes... Uh, some years ago, came to my office, and this lady wanted to know if there was somebody in the leadership that was uh, committing a sexual sin. And uh, leaders in the church, I, I thought, what kind of a question? I don't know. You, if you know, tell me something. I don't know why would God tell me that. And uh, Michael joked, he says, yeah, there's one leader, he's uh, Pastor Andy, he's a good player. <laughs> you know, Pastor Andy won't do anything like that. It's Michael's way of saying, you've lost your mind, basically. You've lost your mind, lady. But then I found out, this lady, uh, I mean, was pursuing a guy. I mean, if the guy said yes, it was over. Hello. To the one who is pure, all things are pure. To the one who is defiled, nothing is pure. If you see pastor and a lady, they, they are counseling, and the lady comes out of the office, ah. You know why? To the one who has a pure heart, to them, ah, pastor, he spends all this time ministering to this person. Right? But the one whose heart is already defiled, ah, did you see? I went to church and, and this lady came out of pastor's office. Conscience is already defiled. To the one who is pure, all things are pure. 
But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind, mind and consciences are what? Defiled. So you see the power of the conscience. How important it is to maintain a good conscience. When you do something, I've seen Christians do something so evil, and it doesn't bother them. When it comes to many sometimes, some of them will crush their fellow Christian brother, deceive them to get money, and it doesn't bother them. They think they are smart. That's a horrible place to be. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. That's the point of this. You have to maintain a good conscience before God. Um, I have other scriptures, but I'm going to stop here for time. First Timothy 1, 18 and 19. Sometimes I see things in the church, and I don't know if the people are actually reading the word of God, you know? Um, and to them it's a spiritual thing to do. Listen, it says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Basically, I want to tell you the purpose of the prophecies that people speak to you in the church. A lot of Christians don't understand this. And, and, and sometimes they blame the person that gave the prophecy because it didn't happen. And so they find another person to give another better prophecy that supposedly will happen. It says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by what? What does he mean by them? The prophecies. By them, you may wage a good warfare. So prophecies are for what? Are for what? Warfare. When a person prophesies to me, I'm going to take that prophecy for my good warfare to God. God, this is what you were said. That person didn't know me. And they said this about me. I had the witness in my spirit. God, you got to do this for me. A good warfare. Then having faith. So for a good warfare. So if you're going to be victorious, you have to use those prophecies. And there is a more sure word of prophecy. With those prophecies, wage a good warfare. Having faith and what? A good conscience, which some have been rejected concerning faith. So when you are talking about faith, you are also talking about conscience. They rejected conscience and they want to stay with faith. But concerning faith, it says, according to the words, which some have been rejected concerning faith have what made shipwreck, suffered shipwreck. In other words, they are going to the other side. The ship didn't make it. That's kind of sad. 
So when you neglect your conscience, uh, from this scripture, does anyone, everyone understand what it means by shipwreck? You're going in the sea, trying to get to the other side. You are in the midst of the, sh- the sea, and you suffer shipwreck. Unless somebody comes in to rescue you with a boat, you're not getting to the other side. It's over. That's not your portion in Jesus' name. That's not your portion in Jesus' name. The reason why I believe I wanted to bring this is you need to wash your heart. I read, in those days I've got focused on these scriptures, Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. Chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the days of provocation. The days of rebellion. Don't harden your heart. And then he goes to verse 14 and says the same thing again. Today, he says, if you go to verse 14, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Guess where your heart is? That's your conscience. And the Bible actually says the enemy actually will make, you know, get their conscience filled with a hot iron. So they, don't, they can't feel anything anymore. And the same thing in chapter 4. Verse 7, he says exactly the same thing. Today, if you will hear his voice. So that tells me, once you reject his word, your heart gets a little hardened. Your conscience gets a little hardened. And after that, it may start by people making arguments and then against the word of God. Well, if God says this, why is this not happening? If you start that way, it becomes a problem for you. We got to watch. This is so important. In my mind, I've had it a long time. As you you go into social media, watch what comes into your eyes and what you what you're getting. Because if it's not God's word, it may not be good for you. A little living leaves the whole lump. So we got to watch and maintain a good conscience. I'm not here as a pastor to make everybody happy with me. My joy is that you make it into heaven. That's the main thing. I want God to bless you. I want your family to be blessed. I pray for that. But that's not my purpose. The ultimate purpose, the ultimate goal is you make it to heaven. It strikes me when the Bible says, don't allow fornication to be once named among you as believers. Not once. Not once. The Bible actually says, flee from fornication. But today, we've gone from just man and a woman, we've gone to fornication that is abominable, where it's a man and a man and a woman and a woman and Christians say, well, you just have to let them. Let me tell you this. Jesus made a statement. If you are not with me, you are against me. That little one sentence that you made 
well, that's okay. If that's what they want to live, I'll let it be. You know, it's not okay. That one statement could affect your heart to the point where it's hard. And Satan won't let you know it's with that statement. He points to other things. But now your heart is cold. So I watch for those things. If you are not with me, you are against me. If you are not gathering with me, it says you are scattering. So we need to watch these things. Our goal is not just to have a good life here. Our goal is to make it into heaven. And if you had a good life here, and you don't make it into heaven, you wasted your whole life. It was a waste. As far as God is concerned, I just created this person. It was a waste. Stand up with me this morning. Now and stop here. It's, it's a somber message, but I know that there are those here that God is speaking directly to, and you know it. You know God speaking to you directly. And the reason why it's coming to you is for you to immediately go to God. This is what, you know, for me, this is what I do. I will go to God when I see sex situation, whether I am in it or before it, I know that's not something I want. I tell God, please help me. God, my heart, help me. This is what's going on in my life. I don't want this. Please help me. Till I'm totally free from this particular thing. And if there's an addiction, whatever it is, and it's bothering you, uh, ask God to help you. And stay with God, stay close to Him with that matter for six weeks. Six weeks. Two months. Science tells, tells us it takes six weeks and you developed a new habit. If you're not reading your Bible, just try to do it every day for six weeks consistently. Guess what? You have a new habit. Amen? I mean, you want a new habit today. That is godly before God. We all want that. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, there is, you didn't come into this sanctuary today because it's something you want to do. Jesus was clear. No man comes to me except the Heavenly Father draws him. Everyone who hears from the Father, they come to me, to Jesus. The reason you're here is because Jesus called you. Amen? And you can go to him in prayer today. All eyes closed, heads bowed as we pray this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, Jesus I'm coming home. I've strayed away from your path, but I'm coming home back to my God. If that's you today, would you put your hand up quickly? Put it down all over this place. All over this place. Even if you don't put your hands up, those watching via the internet, may God grant you the grace to go back to him. And for those of us that are here and you've heard this message and you think maybe you have engaged or you are actually engaging in something that has defiled your conscience, 
would you talk to God today and say, God, I acknowledge my fault. It can be as simple as forsaking the gathering of his people. People don't think that's a sin. But Romans tells us that the Romans, I mean Hebrews chapter 10, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's a commandment. He could start that way. And before long, your heart is so cold and you can't hear God anymore. Whatever it is that is separating you from your God today and you want to go back to him and have that fire in your belly, would you speak to God quietly right now? You and God. It's one thing, Pastor, leading you. This is different. It's between you and your God. And you're saying, God, this is what I want for me. This is what I want for my family. And no matter how difficult the situation is, God's going to help you. God will help you. God will help you. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us to understand more and more the importance of this, our conscience. And we ask, oh God, that you will make our conscience so sensitive to you so that we can hear what you are saying to us. And grant us the grace to be obedient whenever you speak. And wherever we miss the mark, help us to get back to where the path that you want us to go. We ask you to do this for us. You said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. So God, we ask and plead with you today to keep us in this narrow path that leads into the kingdom of God. That we will never stray from this path. We thank you because you are God who answers prayer. And from our heart, we give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. We have a good day.